0: Please have a seat. All right, it's that time of the service. I want to invite the children to come up for our children's message. And sound, guys, if you could turn me down just a hair, we're getting a little feedback up here. All right, come on up here, kids. If you've never been here before and you're a child, come on up here. We're going to do a special sermon just for you. It's real quick. All right, here they come. Hey, guys. All right, we have a few more on their way. All right. Are you guys having a good day so far? Mm -hmm. Do any of you have pets at home? Lift your hand if you have a pet. I'm going to go this way. What kind of pet do you have? You got a dog? Just name, tell me one, Uh, your favorite one. uh, Do you have a hamster? Two two hamsters? What do you have at home? A A A cat? You have a cat? You have outdoor pets. You had some community bunnies. Yeah, I remember that. Okay. community bunnies. One of them, pets that passed on. Yes, you had some pets. OK, thank you. Some pets that passed on. What kind of pet do you have at home? A very big, small-headed dog. A big, small-headed dog. OK. Bunnies. A 17-year-old cat. A 17 That's an old cat. Whew. He had more than nine lives, I guess. Hermit crabs, what do you got at home? Oh, same thing. Okay, what about you on the end? You're not looking at me? Okay. Okay, okay. A bird? You got a bird at home? (laughs) No. They're brothers, so they know. Okay, so can I tell you about my pet? I've got some pets at home, but I've got one that I really love. And this is him right here. This is his name is Hawkeye. You see him? This is Hawkeye. If y'all can't see, you can come closer over here if you want. This is Hawkeye right here, right? Hawkeye lives inside the house. Is he a dog? Yeah, it's a he's a Labrador Retriever. Oh, yeah, that's Hawkeye. Here, sit down so everyone can see him. Right here, perfect. That's good, right there. Yeah. All right, Mama came to help us. Okay, so. This is Hawkeye, right? So Hawkeye lives in the house. But sometimes when Hawkeye goes outside, did you want to tell me about your pet? Go ahead. I had one too, but I had to give them away somebody else. Oh. Some, we to have in the house oh. Tell me what kind of what was one of them? What kind of animal was it? They were both dogs. Both dogs. All right, this is my dog. His name's Hawkeye. All right, so listen. Hawkeye uh, lives in the house, but he goes in the backyard. And you know what Hawkeye, one of Hawkeye's favorite things to do in the backyard? Let me just show you. Let me just show you. Well, he does like to chase soldiers. But he also loves to do this. You see what he's doing there? Do you know what he's rolling in in this picture? Not grass. No. No, none of those things. I'm not going to say it out loud. But he found something. He likes to find old, stinky things in the backyard. And he likes to roll in them, right? So when Hawkeye does that, do you know what we have to do? We have to do this to him. Yeah, we'll take him to the ocean sometimes. That's the best way to clean him. Sometimes we give him a bath. Yeah, he swims. he's in the ocean swimming right now in this picture. But you know what the problem with Hawkeye is? After we take him to this, then we bring Hawkeye home. And this is Hawkeye again in the backyard, right? You know what he does, right, when we bring him home a lot of times? He does this again. Yeah. He'll find something new, old, and stinky, and then he does it again. And it's this this thing he does over and over again. So it's really hard to keep him clean, right? But we love Hawkeye, so we want to clean him up. Did you know that Jesus came to clean us. Did you know that? The Bible says all of us sin. All of us make mistakes. And the consequence of our mistake is it separates us from God. But Jesus came. He died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. He took our punishment for our mistakes. And he invites us to turn from our sin, our mistakes, and place our faith in him and believe in him. And then when that happens, we are spiritually cleaned by Jesus. Now, we don't want to be like Hawkeye, all right? Jesus came and he cleaned us up, right? We don't need to go to the backyard and do that again, right? Instead, we follow what God's word says to us. That's the Bible. And when we follow the word of God by faith in Jesus, it helps us to walk on the righteous path that God called us to walk, and it keeps us clean, okay? All right. I'm going we're going to do freedom as the word of the day. So this is, if y'all are new, this is what we do. You count the number of times I say freedom in my sermon. And then on your way out, you can tell me, okay? I'm so glad you guys came up today. You can go back and sit down, all right? All right, church, I want to invite you to take out a copy of the word of God with me today and open it to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. The book of Galatians is written by the Apostle Paul. He had gone to the churches in Galatia uh, and made an unplanned visit there. He, he was having poor health, as the book of Galatians tells us, and made a pit stop at, the, at this area in order to regain his health. While he was there, in a way that Paul always does, he, of course, shared the gospel with the Galatian people. While in Galatia, uh, sharing the gospel, many of them had become saved. Paul celebrated this, of course, and then he went on his way, uh, because he was a missionary, sharing the gospel in other places. He now uh, had written this letter to the Galatian church because they were at this time under some significant theological and spiritual stress. After Paul had left the area, some Jews had come into the Galatian church. The Bible calls them Judaizers. The Judaizers were a... a uh, professing, uh, they were professing believers, although I doubt they really were believers, who would follow Paul uh, behind Paul in the places that he had gone and shared the gospel. and he tried to convince these new believers that you're not really Christians unless you also follow through with circumcision and obey the law as described in the Old Testament. And so the Galatian church was very confused. They were worried about their salvation. And so Paul writes this letter to the Galatian church telling them about the freedom they have in Christ and how they have to place their faith only in Jesus Christ for salvation, not in works. And for instance, specifically, the, follow, uh, the fulfillment of the law beginning with circumcision. And so he wrote to the Galatian believers, reminding them of the salvation they received in Jesus through the gospel that he proclaimed to them when he visited the people. That's the backdrop, that's the backstory of the message for today. Now, as we celebrate uh, our independence here this weekend, and I praise God for the sacrifices that people are making today and made in the past. Um, ensuring our independence so I could stand here on this platform and proclaim the gospel to you and preach the word of God without fear of arrest or imprisonment, right? Praise the Lord for that. God's good. We have brothers and sisters right now in other parts of the world who have to meet in basements under the cover of darkness or um, worried at the same time for their life even to own a Bible, and here we are, free to own a copy of God's Word, free to preach the Word of God, free to, free to walk out of this place and tell anybody we want about Jesus. That is good, and it is a blessing for us. I want to spend the remainder amount of our time today discussing Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. As we talk about our freedom in Christ, the passage says this, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. My message today only has two points. The first one is this. Jesus set us free to be free. Let me say it again. Jesus set us free to be free. Look at the first part of verse 1 in Galatians 5. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. We are former slaves set free by Jesus. Did you know that? Christians, let's travel back into the past. And let's consider our lives before we were born again. What was our spiritual condition? Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all in the same boat. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who your daddy was or who your mommy was. It doesn't matter who your granddad was. It doesn't matter if some long distant relative was the world's most amazing pastor or deacon or Sunday school teacher or whatever. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person on this earth, regardless of circumstances of his or her birth, upbringing, or moral behavior, sins. Now what is sin? It is any thought or deed contrary to the perfect will of God. You see, God created us for a purpose. Every man, woman, and child is created by God in God's image for the express purpose of giving God glory. That's why we're here. He designed this world and everything in it. He designed you and I with a purpose to give Him glory. And as we live that life following His unique design and purpose, we receive joy because we're doing what God created us to do. Just like my dog, rolling around in the backyard, that's what he was made to do. He loves it. We were made to give God glory, to give Him honor, to worship Him. Unfortunately, we've decided that we don't want to do what God wants us to do, right? We want to do our own thing. We want to express our own will. And when we do that, We quickly deviate from God's design and plan for our lives to do our own thing. Anybody ever done that before? If you don't think you have, just ask someone that knows you well. They'll let you know. So sin is our deviation from God's design, God's plan for our life. And the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us are in the same boat. We all have the same problem. And there's there's a there's a consequence for our spiritual condition. John 8 34 says Jesus answered them, Truly, truly I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. So not only are we born with this inclination to deviate from God's plan and design for for our lives, once we do that, and once we begin living a life. Like that, we become enslaved by it. We're addicted to it. Before we experienced the radical transformation brought about by the Holy Spirit, we were addicted to sin. We were enslaved by our sin. Now most of us, and maybe some of you today even think this way, that we were free. Free to live our lives how we desired. But in reality... What the Bible teaches us is that before we knew Christ, our addiction to sin dictated our decisions and drove us further and further and further away from God, away from His will, away from His purpose. 2 Peter two nineteen says, For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. In the past, a few years ago, I had a, a very close family member who became addicted to heroin. And when he started using heroin on the front end of that addiction, he led himself to believe that he could both use heroin and live a normal life. And he did for a while. He was able to work, he had a home, he had money to buy his heroin. And that worked for a little while, and then over time, that heroin and these are this is his testimony that heroin captivated his heart it captivated his thoughts all of a sudden he started to make himself believe that i don't really need to go to work anymore why would i go to work if i could not work and use more heroin and so he did well when you stop going to work what do you stop getting a paycheck well, that desire and that need for heroin, that doesn't just go away when you don't have any money to buy it, right? And so he didn't have money, so he lost his home. He had to move in with family. All the while, he kept using heroin, trying to pretend like he wasn't addicted to it, like, like he was living a normal life, looking for a new job, found jobs, wouldn't last long, would get fired, would quit. Well, sooner or later, you don't have money. You need money to buy more heroin. So then he moved to stealing things from his family, and and his need for heroin it didn't stay at the same level, right? It it went up, right? The amount that got him high, you know, six months ago it was not the same amount that would get him high six months later. So he needed more more heroin, and then and then more money to get more heroin, and. Before we knew it, he was stealing things to sell to get more heroin. He was addicted to it. It captivated his thoughts. It was through Jesus that he was ultimately freed from that addiction. Jesus counseling, medical care, and he's free from that addiction today. When I when see this passage, and especially when I think of Romans 3.23... And the idea that all have sinned and fallen short short of the glory of God. and, And all who sin are enslaved to sin. What I'm trying to communicate is that from birth we have an addiction to sin. We have a deeply rooted innate desire to turn away from what God wants for our lives and to do our own thing. If you don't believe me, you take a walk back there to that nursery... And find two kids that want the same toy. We got a we got hundred toys back in that nursery, right? What are kids going to want? They want the same toy. There's 99 other toys, but they want this toy. And our kids are like little angels, right? And when they want the same toy, they quickly recognize, no, I should be gracious. I'm going to let you have the toy. Is that how it goes? No, no, no. It's brutal, real quick. There's biting, slapping, hitting, crying, running. Not your kids, but in other nurseries, that happens. And that's a demonstration of of what we're born with this desire to sin. We're addicted to it, we can't help it. That's our problem. Similar to the drug addict, at some point in our lives, everyone is enslaved to sin. But but here's the good news, that, that God didn't want us to live in that sin. God loved us too much to let us stay in that addiction. God desired to set us free from our enslavement to sin and to experience the joy and the purpose and the design that he created you to receive. And that's to give God glory and to worship him. To free us from our sin. And so he sent his son Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life. He perfectly fulfilled the law. He's the only one who ever walked this earth without sin. He overcame it in every single circumstance. He gave his life as a sacrifice on the cross. While on that cross he received the wrath of God as a penalty, as a payment for your sin and mine. His blood was poured out as an atonement or covering for that sin. He died, he was buried in the ground, and hallelujah, he rose again on the third day, conquering death and sin. And now we're given this invitation from him that if you turn from that sin, that addiction, and you place your faith in Jesus as the one who paid the price for your sin, believing that he died for you, that he rose again on the third day, that you'll be born again you'll be freed. Christians are set free by Jesus. Our emancipation from slavery to sin gave us a new life. Amen? A free life. Look at verse 1 of Galatians 5 again. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. And John eight thirty six says, so if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. What he's saying is, if we're telling you that you're free, you are free. What does Paul mean by freedom? What freedom did Jesus secure for us? You see, freedom is our birthright in Christ. It's what we received when we were born again. John Calvin called it an inestimable blessing for which we should fight even to the death. The freedom that Jesus secured for all believers is not political freedom. You see, Jesus' sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection freed us from our slavery to sin. It reconciled us with our Creator God and enabled us to live under the direction of the indwelling Holy Spirit instead of obeying our flesh, instead of doing the things that take us outside of and away from God's design and His will for our lives, instead of following the philosophies of this world, we are freed to follow the direction of the Holy Spirit. And our lives will demonstrate that. As we follow the Holy Spirit, as we obey the Word of God, there'll be this fruit in your life. What are the benefits, what are the spiritual benefits to being free in Christ? Paul identifies it in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. You have this fruit, this consequence in your life. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, or the fruit of following the Holy Spirit, of listening to Him, is love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, of that list, how many of y'all would like a little bit of that in your life? Anybody? I mean, love, right? That's pretty awesome. Can anybody use some joy, right? This isn't joy brought by circumstances like the world defines happiness, this is deeply rooted, unmistakable, unshakable joy—real joy—that changes lives. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness—I want some of all of that. Anybody else? Amen. I'll take it. That's freely available to you. All of it, in infinite measure from God. It's the fruit that we receive as we follow the Holy Spirit. So really, I'm compelling you in the first part of this message just to become what you already are. Christian, this is just you being what God created you to be. Demonstrating your justification in Christ, your sanctification through the process of the indwelling Holy Spirit and his ministry in your heart. (coughs) The Galatians... We're under significant pressure, and this is one of the reasons why Paul writes this letter to them. On one side, they had these Judaizers telling them that they weren't really saved, that they're not real Christians unless they follow through with all these steps in the law. This is legalism, right? The the temptation of legalism for them is, oh, i got to go back and do these things to be acceptable to God. That's one side. The other side of the equation is libertinism. That's a belief that, well, I expressed faith in Jesus. Now I just do whatever I want. And they were living their life in this tension. And this is what Paul is writing about. Don't fall into legalism or libertinism. Walk by faith and the grace of God in obedience to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So we, church, we also should receive that same warning today. Don't fall into the trap of legalism, believing that you must earn God's forgiveness or his love, his acceptance. It's through your faith in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that you, son and daughter of God, are accepted by him and adopted into his family. You don't need to earn anything. Some of you need to hear that today. You have been set free to live under the grace of God through your faith in Jesus. Stop trying to earn His love. If you made a mistake, repent of it and get back in line with Christ. The second trap that we need to worry about falling into is libertinism. Believing that We can live however we want, because at some point in time we profess faith in Jesus. Now, there is a point in time when we're called by God to repent of sin and place our faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And there is in that moment, if you made a legitimate expression of faith, you're saved, you're born again, your life is changed forever. The trap of libertinism is the belief that I can live the way I want to. I made that decision 10 years ago, 20 years ago, one week ago, and now I live how I want. But that's not what God calls the believer to do. Through your faith in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, God made you into a new creation. He blessed you with the indwelling Holy Spirit, and now he's called you to die to yourself and to live for Christ. As John Calvin said, you've got to fight for your spiritual freedom. Because your flesh and the world are going to beckon you off of that path of righteousness. Call you away from God's will for your life and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But that leads you back into the slavery that Jesus freed you from. Instead, remember this, Jesus set you free to be free. Second, don't jump back in the pit. Don't jump back in the pit. Look at Galatians 5 verse 1, the second part. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery, The freedom that Jesus secured for us through his sinless life and sacrificial death and resurrection leads Paul to give us two commands in this part of the text. Jesus set us free and now we're free. Amen? We're free. We're free. Praise God that we're free. Now what do we do with that freedom? This is what Paul says next. Two commands. The first one is this. Keep standing firm. This means to remain firmly planted and established. In our foundation of faith in Jesus, with our eyes fixed upon him for our future. It means that we will remain firm and steadfast. We will remain unmoved by the shifting tides of pop culture and the ways of this world. We will not be like like a buoy moved about by waves. We'll be firmly planted in the foundation laid for us by Jesus Christ standing firm in our faith in him, we will not be moved. We will not be moved. Standing firm is part and parcel with our Christian walk. You know, that command to stand firm is given 14 times in the Bible. God commands us to stand firm in our faith, to stand firm against the enemy, to stand firm while enduring spiritual attacks, to stand firm in maintaining unity in the church, and to stand firm to receive our full reward from Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men and be strong. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. We are set free by Jesus. We are set free to be free. And so first, Paul commands us to stand firm. Second, he commands us, do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. That's the second part of Galatians 5.1. Do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Let's rehash What exactly did Jesus do for us? Think about Psalm 40, verse 2. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. Think about your life before Christ. Do you remember what that life was like? Do you remember the mess that you were in? How was that going for you? Pretty awesome or not so awesome? Not so awesome, right? Our life before Christ was like walking through a pitch black room, running into stuff, falling, not even knowing what direction to go. And as you fall you hurt yourself wish you hadn't done that that's what my life was like before I knew Jesus we didn't leave us that way right he he saved us from that he he set us free from our bondage of sin I got a slide of the dog all right maybe this is the only thing you're going to remember today can you guys hit these lights right here is that possible it's kind of washed out. This one here. That, that one. That right there. Perfect. <laughs> All right, so let's go over one more time this unending rotation in the life of my dog. There's Hawkeye. We love Hawkeye. He's awesome, right? He's got his little bandana on there. He wants to be obedient. He loves people. He's going to do his very best. When we let lock, lock Hawkeye outside, he has an incredible sense of smell. He's a Labrador retriever. He likes to grab things and carry them around. He also likes to sniff and smell things. If there is something in the backyard that's horrible, could be feces or a dead animal, anything like that, within about five minutes, Hawkeye's going to find it. And you know what he's going to do? That right there, he's going to roll in it. He snorts. He, like, smiles while he's doing it. He loves it. It's his favorite thing in the world to do. And then after he does that, he can't come back in the house, right? Because you don't want what he rolled in in the house. So we got to give him a bath. Sometimes we take him out and let him swim out in the ocean. Sometimes we hose him off with shampoo. But we do that, then we bring him back and dry him off. And then eventually Hawkeye needs to go back to the backyard to run around and do his business, right? When he does that, guess what he does? If there's something back there, he jumps right back into it. You guys can turn the lights back on. It's really funny, right? But we do the same thing. No, we don't roll around in the backyard, probably. Think of what the psalmist said. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. We were essentially pulled out of this inescapable pit of our own sin. We were covered with it, spiritually speaking. Jesus, through his sacrifice, cleaned us and made us, the Bible says, as white as snow. And now we're up on solid ground outside of that pit, but the pit is still there, it's still present in your life, and it will be until Jesus comes back. And so we have this constant temptation to get back in the pit, right? And we think right now, Who on earth would jump in something that disgusting, but there's still a temptation to do so, isn't there? God's given us joy and love and peace, all those fruits of the Spirit, all that's infinitely available to us, but yet inside of our heart, we still have that desire to get back in that pit. And that's all Paul is saying here. Don't get back in the pit. Jesus died for you. He saved you. He made you righteous in the eyes of God. He reconciled you with the Father. Just don't get back in there. That old life, don't do it. You're better than that. You've been saved from that. Now, through the indwelling Holy Spirit and the spiritual process that takes place in your life, your mind and your heart, when you're born again, you can now choose not to get in the pit, right? Before Jesus, you were in there. You, you couldn't choose not to do that. Everybody does it. Now you've been saved. Your mind's been opened through Jesus and the indwelling Holy Spirit. You have his conviction at all times. Now you know about the pit, right? Because you've been cleaned off. You know, like, that's sin. I, I don't want to do, I shouldn't do that. That's not right. That's not what God wants for me. All Paul is saying very basically here is just don't do it. You can choose not to do it. Now today you've got to choose. This is what Paul compels us to do. You must choose. Will I be a slave to sin that Jesus freed me from? Am I going to get back in that stinky, smelly pit? Or... While I'd be a slave to Jesus and experience the joy-filled, purpose-powered, spirit-saturated life that God designed us to live. Peter writes in 1 Peter 2:16: Act as free men. And don't use your freedom as a covering for evil. Meaning, don't take for granted the freedom that God gave you to do more evil, more sin. Instead, Follow the path, the desire of the Father. Be slaves to Jesus instead of being slaves to sin. You see, the freedom that Christ purchased for us on the cross isn't a get-out-of-hell a, get free card that secures our salvation and simultaneously grants us the opportunity to embrace licentious living. He freed us from our sin and calls us to die daily to ourselves every thought, every breath, every deed should be dedicated to God. Dedicated to giving Him glory. Fulfilling our purpose for living. We need to fulfill His mission, the Great Commission. We need to daily pronounce in our head, as Jesus did, not not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, not my feeling, What you want through your word and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, your will be done in my life. He must increase, we must decrease. Will we stand steadfast in our freedom in Christ? Will we stand firm in him? Will we be resolute in our minds and in our hearts to not be moved. We're going to have a time now of invitation. Maybe you came today for various reasons. You may know why you're here. You may know not why you're here. But God brought you. He drew you here to be a part of what we're doing in here and worshiping Him. We're going to have a time of invitation in a moment. Everyone's going to stand and we're going to sing a song together, but it's an opportunity for you to respond to what God's doing on your heart. Some of you in here may not yet be believers and you need to turn from sin and trust in Christ for the first time. Come forward. As soon as we start playing music, you come forward. We're going to sit and pray with you. Some of you perhaps have gotten back in that pit. Your life isn't the way that Jesus called you to live and you're a Christian so you know it and you want to make things right today. Your heart's been stirred. Come forward and pray at the altar. I'll pray with you, whatever we need to do. We're not going to embarrass you in any way. We just want to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you need to follow through with baptism and want to talk about that or join the church. Or perhaps you're sick, you're ill, and you need prayer. We'll pray for you up here as well. But this is a moment of decision. The Word of God's been preached. The Holy Spirit is moving in the hearts of our people. Now is the time to respond. Would you stand with me as I pray? Heavenly Father, we pray over this time. We ask that your will be done in our hearts. That whoever is in this place today that has a decision to make would be given the faith to take a step out of the pew and forward to receive salvation, to turn from sin, to make things right with you or another believer to receive prayer for a sickness, whatever it is, God, we hand this time over to you. You are our great God, perfect and loving, mighty, just, and gracious. By faith, we come to you today asking you to help us to move. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.